The franchise quarterback returns to the starting lineup. Just like that, Carson Wentz is back, and he brings a jolt of energy to the Eagles locker room for week three of the regular season with Indianapolis in town. We're covering that story in a big way here on the Eagles Live podcast, along with an examination of the Eagles wide receiver position, ever-changing as it is, and we'll dip into the Hall of Fame pool with Seth Joyner and Clyde Simmons set to join the pantheon of Eagles greats this week. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. And yes, the big story of the week is Wentz as he gets back into the groove as the Eagles' starting quarterback. Injured on December 10th last year during an NFC East clinching win at the Los Angeles Rams, Wentz's final pass of the 2017 season was his franchise-best 33rd touchdown pass of the campaign. Wentz back again. He's looking. He pumps. Still looking. He fires. And it is caught! Touchdown, Alshon Jeffrey! How did that happen? I don't know, but he somehow threaded a needle. How did that happen? Wentz then put a towel over his head and made the long walk to the locker room. His season finished. I just noticed the way he walked off the field on that series after they scored, and it was just a very gingerly cautious walk. Wentz taken to the locker room out for the game with a knee injury of undetermined severity. As the Eagles recovered on the field and went on to win Super Bowl 52 with Nick Foles as the quarterback, Wentz went right into physical therapy after surgery and rarely looked up. His goal was to return for the opening game on September 6 against Atlanta, but Wentz did not receive medical clearance. Three weeks later, he's good to go, and Wentz is excited to be back in the lineup. The same way I temper excitement, you know, going back to my first start in college, my junior year, my first start in the league against Cleveland, you know, a couple years ago. I think it's the same kind of approach. Obviously, I'm going to have a lot of excitement, but once we get playing, it'll just be football again. I mean, obviously, I was excited. You know, it's been a long time coming. It's been quite the grind of an offseason, and just throughout all of this, a lot of the unknown of when and all those things. I know you guys were dying to know. I was dying to know at the same time, you know, so it was a lot of excitement, a lot of built up, almost anxiety over when was going to be that time. So almost relieved to finally, you know, be cleared and get back out there. Yeah, obviously you're frustrated. I mean, I was frustrated just in the sense of, you know, not at anybody, just that I wasn't going to be out there. You know, anytime you miss a game, it's not enjoyable. You know, I've been doing it all last year, those last, I think, six games, and my goal was week one and just came up a little short, but, you know, I knew the medical staff and trainers and really everybody involved, coaches, put a good plan together, and I trusted what they had to say. Yeah, I mean, obviously with Jordan, feel good with him. He was gone only in one season. You know, he was here last training camp even, so, you know, he's picking up on things pretty quick already, so we'll see as the week progresses how he looks and how he fits in and everything, but I feel comfortable with him and really everybody else. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I and really the whole offense, this whole organization always has high expectations. You know, we expect to go out and start fast, play fast, be clicking. And so I truly believe that's a realistic expectation now. That's just football. You know, it's not always like that. So those things come and you got to learn how to balance those ebbs and flows of the game and everything. But, you know, I think we all hold ourselves to high expectations around here. Obviously, we want to go out there and win. You know, the goal is to win and uh, we got a good opponent coming in. We were fortunate enough to play at home. You know, I love playing at home. I know that place is going to be rocking Sunday, so obviously the, the goal is to go 1-0 this week. How much of an impact will Wentz have on the offense? We'll see against the Colts defense that played shutdown football in the win last Sunday at Washington to even their record at 1-1. One one. The Eagles are challenged at wide receiver. They've lacked explosiveness in the passing game. They've committed too many pre-snap penalties, and the running game has been off and on. Head coach Doug Peterson talks about Wentz, the Colts, and his reunion with former Eagles offensive coordinator Frank Reich, now the Colts head coach, in this weekly exclusive one-on-one. Doug, what have you seen from this Eagles offense through two weeks? 
a lot of improvement yet to go. I see great effort. I see an offensive line that's beginning to gel and come together and improve each week. And then I see Zachers continuing to improve. You know, we are playing with a lot of guys offensively right now, a lot of young players, and they're getting better. It takes a little time, but there's definitely some room for improvement, and that's why we have a lot of football left. All of these injuries at wide receiver, it seemed like in the spring and summer, wide receiver looked like it was going to be a really deep, talented, strong point for this team. The injuries have really put a dent into that. Yeah, you know, you never know which position group's going to get hit with the injury bug, and right now it's the receiver group. But, you know, we're confident. Of course, we'll get Alshon back, you know, whenever he's cleared and ready to go. And, you know, the loss to Mike is going to be big. It's a starter caliber guy that's a big part of our system. We brought him in here in the offseason as a free agent. We just got to continue to work forward and rely on some other groups. We got to rely on the tight ends. We got to rely on our runners, offensive line, lean on that. And then, of course, our quarterback. And we can do that. We can put a good mix of offense together and try to keep some teams off balance. Dallas Goddard hasn't been as impactful as maybe some thought he would be. What's happened there? Nothing. A lot of times it's the way the game goes, the way the flow of the game. And again, with the injuries to some of our uh, perimeter guys, you know, by just keeping guys in their right positions, it's easier to change one guy than it is to change two or three. So we don't disrupt the entire game plan. And it's nothing against Dallas. He's improving each and every week. We're excited about him. We're looking forward to continuing to work with him and get him in there. And the kid's going to be a good player. Your thoughts on Carson coming back to the lineup and what Sunday will be like for him? Well, speaking of Sunday, I think it's going to be pretty electric, you know, in the stadium. Number one, to have him run out with the first group. And then, you know, nothing really changes. You know, he just gets in there. He leads and leads by example, leads through his play. And, you know, the guys will rally around him. You know, it'll be fun to get him back out. Just having Frank Reich on the opposite sideline, an advantage for one or the other. He knows what you're thinking. You know what he's thinking. Yeah, but, you know, we're both offensive guys. So it's not like an offense and defensive coach going against each other. So probably see a lot of the same similar plays, you know, from the Colts offense that we've run. And it's going to be a good battle. Our second home game this year and look forward to the challenge. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. From a player's perspective, having Wentz back means a lot mentally, right? More confidence and understanding of the talent that Wentz possesses and the dynamic that he brings to the attack are all important components of the position. Eagles Hall of Famer Brian Westbrook thinks that having Wentz back will bring a welcome jolt to the Eagles on both sides of the ball. Brian, the idea here is that Carson Wentz makes his first start. What kind of lift does that give a team? This game is all about confidence. It's all about being able to say, no matter what, I know my guy is there. And I think Carson Wentz coming back, an MVP candidate the year before, over 30 touchdowns last year. His ability and just having him on the field, it changes the perspective of every player offensively and defensively on the team. You're willing to block a little longer offensively, which sounds weird, but that's what happens. You catch the ball that you normally wouldn't catch. These types of things happen when you have a special player like Carson coming back. With Carson back, the wide receiver crew doesn't change. In fact, there's no Mike Wallace. So chicken or the egg? Does Carson make this wide receiver group more potentially explosive? Well, I think he does. And this is why, because Carson can extend the plays. And we don't know how much he'll be able to get outside the pocket and run a little bit, but all signs are pointing to him coming back, being healthy, using his legs to extend plays. And broken coverages happen when quarterbacks get outside of the pocket. The scramble drill is absolutely real. We saw so many big plays last year where Carson is breaking contain and then throwing the football down the field. Those are difference makers. That's where some of those explosive plays should come from. I'm excited about Carson coming back. If you were the Colts, how would you attack a quarterback who has not taken a single snap in preseason or in the regular season to date? I would change my coverages as often as I can and blitz 
pretty much as often as I can. If I'm playing defense against this Eagles team, I'm saying your receivers will have to beat man-to-man pressure all day long, bump and run man-to-man from the line of scrimmage, and we're going to attack the quarterback. That's the only way that we would go about it. Brian, it's been a while since the Eagles lost a football game. You've gone through that. Long winning streaks. When that loss happens, what's the taste? Does it remind you of just how much it stinks to lose a game? Yeah, losing is terrible, and we all know that, but it also allows you to go back to basics. And of course, to me, I don't subscribe to the theory we needed this loss because I don't believe in that. I think wins, you learn a lot from wins and losses are just losses. I believe that this was a loss where you go back and say, okay, let's go back to basics. Let's go back to fundamentals, understanding coverages. Where's your help supposed to be? How is our offensive line supposed to block? But it also allows the coaches to go back and say, okay, are we overextended in the passing game? 48 passes attempts, not enough runs. Well, how do we change things? Are we being predictable? This makes you look at everything that you're doing. And really, it's not until you lose till you take a great look at that. Ryan, this is also Hall of Fame weekend. Seth Joyner, Clyde Simmons go in. Share your thoughts as you kind of look back what it was like for you to have that experience of going into the Eagles Hall of Fame and, and what it's meant to you. I love this franchise. Jeffrey Lurie gave me an opportunity when a lot of other teams just wouldn't. And I've been around this franchise for, you know, almost 20 years now. And it's a great franchise. Gold standard, as Mr. Lurie always is saying. I truly believe that, you know, for me to go into the Hall of Fame in such a storied franchise with so many good players, it meant the world to me. And really just to be around the guys, just being in that room with the guys with Seth and Trot and Akers and all the different guys, Doc and Donovan, the guys that I've played with that played on a whole different level. It's special. It's a special moment. I'm so happy for Seth and Clyde as well. Brian, thank you. Thank you. I'm wide receiver Jordan Matthews of the Philadelphia Eagles. Touchdown! Touchdown! Matthews! Jordan Matthews! You're listening to the Eagles Live Podcast. With Dave Spadaro. So what about those wide receivers? The Eagles placed Mike Wallace on injured reserve this week after he suffered a fractured fibula in the loss at Tampa Bay. So they're now without Alshon Jeffrey and Wallace, their projected two starters, along with second-year man Matt Collins this week. Jeffrey could be back as early as next week when the Eagles play at Tennessee, and Hollins is still on injured reserve. The short-term solution is Jordan Matthews, the newest Eagle who not very long ago was a highly productive player in this offense. The Eagles traded him last summer to Buffalo in the deal that brought cornerback Ronald Darby to Philadelphia. Since then, times have been tough for Matthews. 25 receptions in 10 games with the Bills in a season during which he battled thumb and knee injuries. In the offseason, Matthews signed a one-year contract with New England only to be released on August 1st. Matthews worked out with the Eagles on Tuesday and signed a one-year contract on Wednesday. He's thrilled to be back with the team that selected him in the second round of the 2014 NFL Draft. Being able to get back to work with the guys and everything is fun, you know. Got a lot of great friends here, familiar with the offense. It was good to get out there and get some work done today. You know, it's always fun to just get back and just actually play some football. It's the first time I've been in pads in a while, so that's probably the biggest adjustment, just getting used to that. You know, I've been working out every single day, so it's not as much like the wind and everything. I didn't feel really, you know, gassed out there, but as far as getting used to the pads, getting in and out of breaks and stuff, that's just something that comes with repetition, so it was fun doing that with, like I said, offense I'm familiar with and guys that I really have a good relationship with. It's not as weird as a lot of people probably would think it would be. Um, I'm really close to a lot of these guys. I'm in group meetings with all of them. I talk to them probably on the daily. It really didn't feel like I was gone really that long. So I'm just embracing each day, you know, not really thinking about too much stuff ahead, just uh, having fun, enjoying the process. Like, I honestly haven't even checked my phone, answering any text messages or anything. I've just been spending time with the guys here and just calling the wife and my mom and parents and stuff back home, just checking in with them. I've been working my butt off. My wind feels good. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just reps, you know. You know, today, just getting back in the past, going through it. 
you know, I felt like myself on some rounds, but some I'm like, okay, I gotta get sharper, you know, just get more in tune with my body and where I am on the field and stuff. But I don't want that to be an excuse because it's week three, we gotta get going. So I just gotta make up that time. I'm just going out there to play, man. You know, I mean, with a quarterback like Carson, anything's possible. But I didn't play one preseason game before we had our first game together. He missed like the whole preseason. We lit it up. I'm looking forward to it. Matthews is likely to line up in the slot on Sunday with Nelson Aguilar and Kamar Aiken outside. Tight end Zach Ertz will also be heavily involved, and rookie Dallas Goddard figures to have a larger role after playing in only 17 snaps in each of the first two games. Let's talk more in depth about the wide receivers and the offense and what happens with Wentz now on the field. We go one-on-one -on -one with Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Famer Mike Quick, the radio analyst on the Eagles radio network. Mike Quick, the Eagles have some challenges at wide receiver. How do they work through them? Challenges, but I think they also have solutions. The fact that Jordan Matthews is out there available, he knows the system, and you can plug him in right away. I think that's what Doug Peterson really wanted, a veteran guy. And a guy that, of course, Carson Wentz is comfortable with, and that would certainly be Jordan Matthews. So you plug him in, and I think they're going to have Alshon Jeffrey back in a week or so, a couple of weeks. So the receiving core, I don't see a real problem there. You know, Nelson, whether he He's inside or outside, and everyone's talking about that. He's an effective football player. Then why have there been so few explosive plays in the passing game? Well, they don't throw the ball, Dave. You know, when I go back and I look at the film, I just didn't think Nick was comfortable enough to throw the ball, let the ball go, and especially letting the ball go downfield with the targets that he has. And you have to be comfortable when you're at that position, when you're the quarterback. There were some breakdowns in the protection here or there. There were some times when Nick didn't look or locate the right target downfield. And then, of course, there are a couple of drops here or there, but you spread it around and there's just not enough explosive plays, not enough of the quarterback being comfortable enough to take the shots downfield. Okay, so this week, it it's Jordan Matthews, maybe inside, Nelson Aguilar outside, and who else? I think it's going to be a little bit of both. You know, Nelson will be inside some, he'll be outside some, and Kamar Aiken. So those, to me, will be the three guys. Aiken, a veteran guy, he's going to be in the right place. May not be the best talent that you could line up out there, but I think the three of those guys can hold it down pretty well until Alshon gets back. It's interesting how it changes in the NFL, Mike, because we all thought that wide receiver was going to be a really deep position. And when we watched training camp, it looked good, top to bottom, as good a group as I'd seen at training camp in a long time. Well, and I think we're putting a lot of emphasis on the wide receiver position, I really believe that it has a lot to do with where the football is going, not just the wide receivers and them not getting open, because I think there were some opportunities where they just didn't get the ball and didn't get those opportunities to make plays. Do you believe a quarterback makes wide receivers better? I think both. I think a wide receiver can make the quarterback better. I think the quarterback certainly can make wide receivers better in the fact that he has the ball, he has an opportunity to sometimes throw the ball to spots where they can only get it and throwing them open. But it works both ways. Wide receivers can certainly do some things to help their quarterback. As you watch practice this week, did Carson look good? Well, he didn't look great. He looked good. To me, that's a good thing because you want to have things to work on. You don't want him to come out and he's sharp and everything's on the money on point. You want to have him understand that he has a ways to go. He has to work on being the perfectionist that he wants to be. How will Doug call this game? Will he ease Carson into it? I don't think so. I wouldn't be surprised if they load up on the very first series, first play, and go down the field with it. Carson loves to throw the football. That's what we all love to see, and that's what we're looking forward to seeing. Thanks, Mike. You got it. As the Eagles turn the page to Wentz at quarterback, they certainly know about being prepared at the position beyond the starter. Lesson learned last season. The voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese, 
takes a moment to appreciate the job Nick Foles has done in Wentz's absence in this Merrill Minute. It's I'm as excited as everybody about the return of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is the very definition of a franchise quarterback. And it's been nine months since we last saw Carson Wentz in a game. While we certainly are excited about Carson Wentz, we will never overlook the job that Nick Foles did. He came in and he saved last season and also etched himself into Eagles history. He came out this year, he won the opening game where he contributed to the win against Atlanta, and he really played a pretty decent game in Tampa Bay. It's not that the offense lost that game. Number one, they gave up a big play and were immediately behind 7-0. Offense battled back as much as they could, and it was full who threw an absolutely magnificent pass in the corner of the end zone to Nelson Aguilar to give them a shot. So Nick Foles returns to the bench, but whether we're talking about Nick Foles the starter, Nick Foles the backup, Nick Foles the person, we're talking about somebody who always remains the same. He will always be valued by Eagles fans. Another added attraction to this weekend is the Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame, which welcomes 2018 inductees Seth Joyner and Clyde Simmons into the esteemed club. Both were drafted in 1986, and both go into the hall together. I had a chance to talk to Joyner about his career and his thoughts on the weekend ahead, a little word association with number 59. Seth, since you found out about going into the Hall of Fame, I wonder what kind of thoughts have you had? What kind of memories have you had? Oh my goodness. You know, I thought all the way back to the beginning, being drafted, being cut, coming back, becoming a starter, becoming a permanent starter. My time in Philadelphia, you know, with all the great players, you know, the guys that are no longer here. This for me is almost like a closing of the circle, closing of the finishing, you know, of my career as a Philadelphia Eagle. And there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of thought about the finalization of this. You know, a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, and a lot of pride. And Seth, how would you describe that career as a Philadelphia Eagle? I think spectacular in many regards, and yet regretful in many regards as well. Spectacular, you know, from the standpoint, you know, what we were able to, you know, accomplish, especially as a defensive unit. You know, the, the great players that I had the privilege of playing with, you know, and going to war every Sunday with, you know, regrettable from the standpoint that, you know, we had so much ability, so much promise, and so much potential, you know, to achieve the ultimate. And yet, for many circumstantial reasons, you know, not being able to, you know, finish it. Let's play a little word association. I'll give you a word and you give me your thoughts. First word, Buddy Ryan. Mm, um, reverence. Okay. You can elaborate as much as you want on him. I know you love well, him. You know, just great reverence for the guy. You know, there's so much about him that people don't know. You know, there's a side of Buddy Ryan that, you know, only his players, the people that are really close to him really knew. You know, he showed the public one side, he showed the media one side. But when you were one of his guys, you know, there was a whole different side. You know, he had this uncanny ability to, that's really, in my opinion, it's really hard to do as a coach, this uncanny ability, you know, to hold your feet to the fire and keep you accountable. But, you know, at the same time, you know, love you like a son. And that's the side of him that, you know, I wish that, 
you know, everyone could see. But as a coach, you know, you only reserve that, you know, for your players. Jerome Brown. Oh, my goodness, man. Wow. There is no one word. Just a phenomenal human being. Not just a great football player, but a phenomenal human being. Anyone who truly knew Jerome knew that, you know, A, you know, first and foremost, you know, we know him most, you know, for his ability on the field. And I think, you know, he was a phenomenal talent. Probably, you know, there would have been a Hall of Fame, you know, defensive tackle, you know, had he not passed away. But, you know, away from the field, you know, he was an A-plus person. You know, the guy would do anything for you, give you a shirt off his back. Just a great human being, man. The Fog Bowl. Oh, missed opportunity, man. I think back about that game and so many times I wonder, you know, what could have been because I feel like that's a game we had, a game we could have won and really a natural phenomenon, you know, really snatched it from our grips. It's a thorn in my side, so to speak. Eagles fans. Oh, just great love, man. After playing in that city for eight years and experiencing, you know, playing for and in front of those fans for eight years, how do you not have a reverence for them? You know, their love, their passion, their support, them standing behind you 100%, them wrapping your arms around you, you know, and making you an adopted son within their city. And even now, you know, that love still remains and it's just as strong and just as prevalent now as it was, you know, when we were playing. The Philadelphia media, which you are now part of. You know, opinionated. I'm that way because I've just always been that way, you know. I think the media is just as passionate. I think it's very difficult for the personality, you know, of the city to not affect the type of reporting that goes on in the city, you know, and the fans are certainly passionate. I think the media is passionate, you know, as well. And they try to bring to the fan base, you know, and to the national fan base, you know, the same type of, you know, passion in their reporting. Norman Brayman. Mm. Um, well, you know, listen, the guy was a businessman when he bought the team, you know, it was his explicit statement that he was going to show every other owner in the league, you know, how to make money. I don't ever think that it was about winning Super Bowls and winning championships, you know, with that organization. I think, you know, he saw an investment opportunity as a businessman and, you know, he did well with his investment. He bought the team for $65 million and sold it for, you know, $200 million. Uh, you can't argue with a 200% return, but, you know, what he left in the wake of, you know, his ownership, you know, was the opportunity to do something great for the city of Philadelphia. And that bothers me, you know, even to this day, the short-sightedness of his ownership and not doing the things that were necessary to help us accomplish that. And how much more valuable could his organization then had he, you know, looked at it from a different perspective. Rich Kotite. Um, listen, I don't have any dislike for Richie. I think that the situation was presented to Richie where, you know, hey, I'm going to bring you in. If things don't work out this year, if we don't win a playoff game, you know, we're going to make a move and you're going to beat the guy. You can't be upset at the guy for for that. You know, he saw opportunity. He took full advantage of that opportunity, you know, as it presented itself. As a football coach, you know, there's not really a whole lot of respect there because, in my opinion, you know, he wasn't a good football coach at all. But, you know, that's my opinion. Veteran Stadium. Um, as beautiful and as awesome as the link is, there'll never be a stadium like Veteran Stadium. People can say what they want about the turf and, you know, it being a rat hole and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that was our home. You know, that was our coliseum for battle. And with the fans all the way up in the 700 level, there's never been and never will be anything quite 
And that's the end of the World Association. You know, Seth, we were traveling to Tampa Bay this weekend and getting on the bus and getting on the plane. And I wonder if that kind of stuff, if you have memories of plane rides and bus rides and conversations, is that what sticks with you after you're done playing so many years later? Well, yeah, because those are the personal times where you spend time with your teammates, you know, and you can be talking about the game. You might not be talking about the game. You can be talking about personal issues. You can be talking about family issues. There's a myriad of things, you know, that conversations, you know, might entail. But, you know, to me, those are the points of the football experience where, you know, players bond. You know, you get to know teammates, you know, on a four-hour flight. You get to know teammates and understand their mindsets, you know, when you spend time, you know, kind of away from the actual game and practice and work of football. So, you know, to me, those times were, you know, just as memorable as any other. And back in those days, after a game, get on a flight, you'd grab a bag of two beers and the beer never tasted so good in my life. Did you drink it? Not only the beer, but the other um, <laughs> spirits that I might have had in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> hey, last one, Seth. What will this weekend be like for you? I mean, it's just going to be an awesome experience, I'm sure. Well, you know, it's going to be emotional. It's going to be, you know, a time of joy. I have an opportunity, you know, I have my kids together there with me. I have, you know, all my family there with me. But it'll be a great celebration. The one person that I will miss the most on Sunday afternoon, you know, be my mom. I lost her about six years ago, but there was no one, and I mean no one, that was more proud of, you know, what I was able to accomplish as far as my dreams were concerned than her. You know, I know on Sunday afternoon, her and Jerome and Reggie and Andre, you know, be, you know, looking down with smiles on their face. Seth, thanks so much. Can't wait to see you on Sunday. All good, man. Take care. Simmons, now a defensive line coach with the Cleveland Browns, is equally excited as he looks back on his Eagles career and his appreciation for being named to the Eagles Hall of Fame. It was an exciting time for him. I mean, pretty much, you know, you knew it was going to happen. You just didn't know when. To me, because we came in, the Eagles had the same year. He was the eighth, I was the ninth. You know, we played together, you know, 10 years totally, you know, with the Eagles and with the Cardinals. And then on the road in training camp, you know, he was my roommate. So, you know, we have a lot of history together, as in not just the football side of it. You know, we've been a lot. You would say he's one of my closest friends, a brother to me, you know, just as close to me as my own actual biological brother. So we spend a lot of time. We don't see each other as much as we used to, but it seems like every time when we catch up with each other, things just click and it's just back to normal. It's no uneasy moments or nothing like that. Playing football, you know, you got two men, you know, who are young, trying to figure a way to make it in this industry with similar desires, you know, similar backgrounds. You know, he went to a little bit more of a major school than I went to, but, you know, lower draft round picks, not expecting to make ball clubs and all that stuff, and to go out and play a long career and making things, uh, having a good time by doing it. You know, for me, it was a means to an end in the beginning. You know, I knew coming out of high school that if I didn't get on a scholarship or something like that, the military was where I was headed to. So it was a means to the beginning. Then it changed to once I got into college and getting in there and then realizing that there's a chance to play because, you know, when I went to school, I didn't have any ambition of playing professional football. I just wanted to get a college degree and a chance to have a better life. But as the plan went on and People start, you know, saying you got a chance, you got a chance. And then you start thinking about the work and all the stuff that you got to put into it. And, you know, just start.
know, she raised three kids, single parent. It's so many sacrifices that she made to make sure that we was able to go to school, clothes on her back, food on the table. That's what my strength comes from. She was a waitress mostly, you know, but she, you know, growing up, she worked for different furniture companies, all kinds of things that she did, but, you know, she's a waitress man. My mother, early on, when I was younger, she didn't have time as to get into every game. She made the majority of them, you know, she didn't make every game. You know, she didn't become the football fanatic until later on in life for her. She grew up, she knew her kids played sports. She was a baseball person, you know, we started off as baseball kids and stuff right there. But she grew to love football the way I did. The Eagles called and Dale Hop, longtime defense line coach, was the one that came and worked me out. I didn't know he was coaching and I thought he was just another scout because I worked out with so many teams that year. And it's not like it is now where it's a pro day and you may have a private workout. Every day was private workout back then. So you might work out for three different teams in one week. So he worked me out and I was surprised that they gave me the call and all the stuff right there. But he saw something in greatly appreciative of him because I think a lot of the stuff that I believe in, the approach I take as a player, then it has a lot to do with what he instilled with me those eight years I was working for him. You know, he was hard, he was tough, but he was fair. And he showed that he cared. So, you know, when it came to that right there, he wasn't so much that it had to be a dictatorship. He worked with you, taught you, and trying to instill in you about learning what's best for you, you know, what works best for you inside of making the scheme work. So I was greatly appreciative of Bill Hop. There's a lot of things I look back at, great moments. The 11 sacks when we had against Dallas, Miracle of the Meadowlands, and just the Giants, the body bag game, Washington. There's a lot of things. If I actually sat down and, and tried to list them, there'd be too many to list because there's some games out there that wasn't nicknamed something and that, that, but you can see the dominance of the defense, you know, at times the dominance of the team. I think if we had an owner who's about trying to win and not make money as we had before, I think we would have had a chance to win a couple of Super Bowls, but that wasn't the case. We were more just, just teammates those guys who were friends. And when you're friends, you close to becoming family. I can say as time grew with everything we did, we probably would have been just like brothers, you know, arguing, fussing, fighting between each other, just like we did in practice games and stuff. But then there's also the moments where we are, are worried about each other's kids. How they doing? What's going on in school? What's doing this? So, you know, when you think about it, you miss them, you miss the times that the conversations that you had with them as individuals, you know, about in and everything, you know, what you're going to do, how you're feeling, what you're thinking. And then you see their kids as adults now, and you think about what they don't get to see. I think that's the most troubling thing to me, is that these two great guys don't get to see what their children have become. And Philly fans and stuff, some of the most knowledgeable fans that I've ever been around, some of the most passionate people that I've ever been around. I can say that for me, I love coming in on Sunday, coming through the parking lot, getting the fans telling you, good luck today, go get them, all the things that you hear as a player. And then when you get into that stadium and hear them, they're early, loud, ready to go. I think those are the biggest things that push me as a player to make me understand that, you know what, I need to have fun when I'm playing this game. You know, make sure that everything is good. We've got a lot going on this weekend at Lincoln Financial Field. Wentz's emotional return, the Eagles Hall of Fame inductions, Frank Reich coming back to Philadelphia as the head coach of the Colts. But the bottom line is that the Eagles need to get back to their winning ways after Sunday's tough loss against the Bucks. It won't be easy. 
Andrew Luck is a superstar quarterback playing well after missing last season with a shoulder injury, and the Colts are playing inspired defense. This is going to be a grinded-out kind of game, and that's fine. Just win, Eagles. That will do it for this Eagles Live podcast. We're back with the Instant Reaction podcast on Sunday evening from Lincoln Financial Field, so please tune in for that. Thanks to Brian Thomas for his great work producing, and thanks to you for tuning in. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro saying, have a great Eagles day, everyone, and fly, Eagles, fly.